Welcome to Head to Toe, a series of interviews with experienced medical professionals, illuminating healthcare's history while projecting a light on its future. Episode 1, we interview Marianne Rudd, a registered nurse with 36 years of experience. Okay, we are on. Um, this is the very first podcast episode of Head to Toe, and I'm here with Marianne, a old family friend who has so kindly <laughs> agreed to uh, interview with me. Um, we're here in my apartment in downtown Portland, and it is Wednesday, April 13th. So we're going to get right to it. Marianne, um, tell me where you went to school, what year you finished training, and how long you've been in the nursing field. I went to school at Pacific Lutheran University up in Tacoma, Washington. Graduated in 1980 and have been doing nursing since then. So that's making this uh, 37 years of <laughs> nursing. <laughs> that's amazing. 36, I guess. And Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What kinds of nursing work have you done? So I started out in oncology. I did oncology for six to seven years, then did hospice for one to two years. And uh, since 1988, I've been a home infusion nurse, and I'm still doing home infusion now. So you go to people's homes, and, and what kind of infusions? So we've got a lot of people who are on IV antibiotics, uh, a lot of people are on uh, hydration. Uh, we've got two outpatient clinics, so various people come in for infusions, and uh, lots of people we see in their homes and uh, keep them in their homes on. They also TPN, so IV nutrition mm-hmm. is also another big thing that's being done in people's homes. Wow. So when I was a nursing student, TPN was only done in the intensive care units, mm-hmm. and it was a big, scary thing uh, for nursing students to be involved with TPN in the intensive care units, mm-hmm. and now people get kicked out of the hospital, and people like me show up with cardboard boxes and wow. computers and big bags and say, you're home now. It's time for you to learn, and you got to learn to do it right because cause I'm leaving in a couple hours. Wow. <laughs> and, for that's one of our most complicated therapies so we come by for three days in a row to do teaching and then uh, usually we see people once a week after that and they do their own infusions after they that? do their own infusions okay. yes yeah, so we see them weekly for dressing changes blood draws and uh but they're independent and in giving whatever tpn antibiotics other medication that they are prescribed what made you become a nurse in the first place, sort of reverting back to <clears throat> 1980s? So I think it all goes back to when I was three or four years old. We lived next door to uh, a woman whose daughter was a nurse, and my mom and I would go over to Paula's house to have coffee every day, and I would have a little bit of coffee with a whole bunch of milk, and I would look on the TV of this black-and-white picture of Karen who had a nursing cap, and that was when I decided I wanted to be a nurse. Because of the cap. <laughs> I could be. It's hard to say. Power but it was because it was because of the picture of Karen on the TV. That's so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and then um when I was in high school I got a job at Providence Hospital Laboratory, which was the day when the day before computers, and uh they hired peons like me to run around the hospital and drop off the lab result papers, which Mm -hmm. the nurses and the doctors were always so happy to see people like me coming because they'd been waiting for lab results and it was the only way to access what people's labs were. 
So in high school, I was doing that, and it gave me a chance to see all of the nursing units at Providence where I worked, and I liked the oncology unit. I liked the people. I liked the atmosphere. I was interested in oncology, and that was what drew me into oncology with nursing. And then my switch to home infusion came about because when home infusion started back around 1988 at Providence, it was uh, combined with our outpatient transfusion room, which is what I had helped uh, get started for Providence. And so when I came back from maternity leave, uh, by then home infusion was part of a unit that I was already uh, had been working in, and so I started doing home infusion. Yeah, to elaborate a little bit on like the contrast there of what it was like when you were in high school and and now, um, what was nursing practice, I guess, specifically like when you started, and then how have you seen it change over the last thirty seven years? So when I graduated in nineteen eighty, I started working on a medical oncology unit. Uh, nobody wore gloves for anything, so oh <laughs> all of the IVs. I go through like a pair every fifteen minutes. <laughs> all of the IVs that we started were gloveless. Uh, we mixed our own chemotherapy. It was done on the counters in the med room, so there, there was no hood. Oh my we, god! We weren't we weren't wearing gloves for mixing the chemo. We were just mixing it on the counters, squirting it up in syringes, oh getting chemo all over the ceiling, the floor, our clothes. Uh, so those are the two biggest changes <laughs> that I've seen in oh practice during my career. Yeah, it it is crazy. It is crazy. To, so gloves weren't being used for IV starts. They weren't they weren't being used for uh, colostomy care. So the nurse who was doing the uh, care for that didn't wear gloves because she didn't want to insult patients. Oh. So it just it wasn't part of practice. Wow. <laughs> What have you seen uh, stay the same, I guess? What, what, do you, what would you say is something that nurses always have done and will probably always do? So what I have seen the stay the same is uh, camaraderie among teams. <clears throat> and that's, that's one of the things that drew me into nursing uh, was seeing, seeing the camaraderie on the nursing units that I went to uh, when I was delivering lab papers. I liked the... Um, I like the community that I that I mm-hmm. could see of nurses and physicians and the people working together, and uh, that is still vital with uh, with healthcare uh, healthcare that's working well. So that's something that is I see is still the same. Yeah, totally. I think that that's the reason why people stay in their jobs a lot is is because the people that they work with and and the patients. Yeah, that absolutely. They work with. Yeah. Have you seen patients change over time? Would you say that that, that has changed? Yes and no. Um, you know, the care that patients get has changed so much. Patients now are being seen at homes or being the treatment that they're getting at homes is what used to be done in the intensive care units. Mm-hmm. Family members are being taught to unit, taught to do those things. So part of that has changed in that uh, it used to be people would get admitted to the hospital for various therapies and then stay at the hospital for a week and now they're being seen at four in the morning and admitted and being kicked out at four in the afternoon after they've had their bilateral mastectomy yeah 
So that's some of the things I've seen. One of the other huge changes I've seen has been computers. Mm-hmm. So there weren't computers being used when I started working in 1980. Mm-hmm. And uh, now everybody's got yeah, one it's and a, it's used for everything. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess you could say the same that technology has infiltrated almost every every industry, but has certainly transformed healthcare in right. a way that is. Right. And when I talk to, when nurses and I complain about things, it's the computers that we complain about. We're having to. Uh, do the documentation that we have to do on computers is so lengthy and doesn't necessarily fit what we're doing, mm-hmm. but it's uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's like that trying to fit a square peg in a round, round hole. hole. <laughs> it it just isn't a good fit for many mm-hmm. aspects of different types of nursing. There's not a good system for uh, charting for home infusion, mm-hmm. so we use a home health system, which is makes a lot of uh, unnecessary and redundant charting. Yeah, I can imagine, like, someone in their home, like, you know, there isn't a doctor who's going to come by, look at your chart, and leave you orders. Like, they're, in their, they're on their couch, right? Like, how, mm. how do you, you know, just check up? They got their infusion today kind of thing. Well, and that, that was one of my big um, concerns about switching from hospital nursing to home infusion nursing mm-hmm. was wondering, do I have what it takes? Because in the hospital... One of the things that is fabulous is that you're working with a group of people, and so you're working as a team. If you've got problems or you want a consult and you want mm-hmm. uh, another opinion about something, you just go grab a coworker. And in the home, it's just you. So uh, that was one of that was one of my big fears. I'd been a nurse for eight years before I started doing home infusion, and I did wonder, do I have what it takes? And the answer is. Uh, most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here's the the question that I think that um, you've been looking forward to. How has your career in nursing affected your life outside of it? It it has uh, affected it hugely. So I have done camp nursing, and that got started um, 20 years ago. Uh, so the camp nursing in general, or you started camp, camp nursing in general. Camp nursing. So what it, is camp nursing for those of us out there who have never been to camp. <laughs> so camp nursing is awesome, and and it allows a person to practice a whole variety of skills that you might not think about because kids are coming to camp with um, all sorts of medical uh, problems, all sorts of health issues, and so camp nurses are basically like school nurses, mm-hmm. um, but trying to facilitate both getting kids um, to be able to function in a camp setting well if they have whatever medical situations that come with them, also trying to create a healthy environment at camp. Um, so I started doing a camp nursing 20 years ago that was here in Oregon I did it two weeks a summer at a Norwegian heritage camp um, which then led to me being invited to go to Switzerland and I worked in uh, Switzerland and, and at that point I was teaching I wasn't I was a healthcare provider for the camp but I wasn't working as RN because I'm not licensed in Switzerland but I was the healthcare person for the 80 people at camp as well as uh, teaching English and leading activities. And then that led to multi-years of working in Switzerland at uh, several different camps. I've also worked down in Brazil doing that. And uh, currently I've been at a 
camp for the, this will be my fifth summer. It's uh, in the Alps, and I get to teach, uh, I co-teach a outdoor life skills class. I'm on the rec staff class, and I have graduated out of the health center <laughs> where I started at this camp and uh, get to do hands-on with the uh, people who are feeling healthy enough to go do all that. Right. It has made me realize that uh, I've been blessed to to have learned from so many people, from patients and families um, in both the oncology and hospice and also home infusion aspects. I see people going through situations that are uh, struggles, and I see their resiliency um, I've, I've learned from, from people's resiliency. I've learned from situations where, uh, people's lives are short from, um, from infants to teenagers to adults. And it's caused me to, uh, make sure that I value my life, take advantage of, health and opportunities that I have while I have them because I realize they can change at any time. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also made me be aware of health and uh, trying to take care of myself. Those are probably the biggest ones that have affected my outlook on Mm -hmm. my life. Can you think of a story about a patient, a family, a doctor or coworker that has left like a lasting impression on you? It could be positive or negative. Like a story that you might tell over and over again. Well, actually, I haven't told this one over and over again. It's a negative one. It's a, a situation where um, a very dominant, overbearing wife uh, didn't want her husband to know that he had leukemia, and she I don't really understand how this happened that uh, he didn't know the diagnosis and was in and out of the hospital on the oncology unit. Um, Wait, so he was being treated, he but was, he didn't know. He was being treated. and, and the, he, he didn't, didn't have a psychiatric illness or anything. No, he, no. And, oh, my gosh. And then when he was dying, she still didn't want him to be told that he was dying and so this was back in the early 80s i don't i don't think that it would happen now um and it it was terrible the nurses felt awful about the lack of transparency in the situation and because she was so uh domineering uh she just like a big bully for her her husband and her family and bullying the staff and that was um that made a lasting impression on me of how unfair it was for somebody to be uh facing health issues and not not be told honestly what was going on so that, that he could be a part of the reality yeah that's, that's isn't, insane. That, isn't that's that hard? Insane. Isn't that I, hard to believe? That is hard to believe. Yeah. Like I think, I don't, I, I don't know that I've ever encountered a in a situation like that. Yeah. I've, I've encountered situations where the patient doesn't want their family to know, and at, at that point, we we respect those wishes, or they're like, you know, make me a, a no info patient. Like, yeah. You know. 
certainly because now it's it's the patient's experience and rights over almost every everything else so that's or, and then it gets hard i think in situations where they're like oh well, only some people can know these sorts of things or, or you run into you know sensitive information like hiv status and and things like that and like who who you talk to who you don't talk to it's certainly eggshells sometimes yeah yeah it's hard to it's hard to believe that that situation actually occurred and was allowed to go on as long as it did so this patient came back over weeks and so it wasn't just a one-time hospitalization um uh, sort of segueing, uh, what are the kinds of stressors that nurses go through today, you think? Is it the same as in the back of the 1980s, or do you think a lot of it is different or increased? I think a lot of it uh, has increased, but I know that uh, currently big stressors where, where I work are uh, the expectation of seeing X many patients during a day, and oftentimes that uh, bleeds into overtime for nurses because things don't go as expected at a patient visit. Things take longer, and or or there's problems technologically. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's trouble with the computer. You can't get the documentation done, and so nurses are spending. Uh, longer hours doing the work um, which is frustrating on an ongoing basis and uh, that has always happened in healthcare you can't just walk out the door when it's time for your shift to be done because there's stuff that's happening that Mm -hmm. that you've got to attend to Uh, so that is um, not different but I see it on a chronic basis I also see um our department is understaffed, and it's hard to find nurses who have the expertise to do home infusion, to do it autonomously, and so that makes uh, stress for the nurses because there's not enough nursing staff to see all the patients that are... Um, I feel like are, there's never, ever enough. Yeah. <laughs> That's just... Right. I see the computer as a big stressor um, because there is... It takes so much time to document with the computer according to whatever systems are built into the computer. And I think that most of the people that I work with see much of the work that we do on the computer as being unnecessary, Mm -hmm. irrelevant, and uh, taking time out of uh, what we prefer to be doing, which would be patient care. And instead, there's a a lot of time that is spent on a computer system that isn't favorable. I, yeah, I think that's what messes with nurses a lot is just like, you just want, just let me do my job. Let me do what I was meant to do. Right, because like, you didn't go into nursing. You didn't go into nursing because no. you wanted to document on a computer. All you right. went into nursing because you wanted to work with people or work with certain things and it wasn't it wasn't a computer <laughs> yeah and for home for home nurses and home infusion nurses uh the reality is that oftentimes we are seeing patients back to back and then um there isn't time to do the computer charting during the, during the day so it's being done at the end of the day <clears throat> so the end of the, the end of every day you're working with this blasted computer mm-hmm. and it's not a favorable way to end the day mm-hmm mm-hmm what has kept you in nursing for 37 years? 
It's been the other nurses and the pharmacists and the coworkers, And the flexibility, perhaps. And the flexibility. I began working um, on call when my son was born back in 1988. So uh, for the last 27 years, I've worked on call for most of the time. That has definitely kept me in nursing because it's given me the freedom to uh, pursue many areas outside of nursing that are important to me, such as going to camp. So I uh, currently go to Switzerland three times a year to three different camps and uh, love having the flexibility to just tell my work, hey, I'm going to camp again. I'll see you in a month or two months or three months. And uh, so for me, the... uh, flexibility, the people, the uh, satisfaction that I get from the work that I do. I I do get a big sense of satisfaction of being part of people's lives, uh, helping them to be at home. So for many of these people, they would otherwise be in the hospital or be in a long-term care facility if they weren't able to be at home and get their therapies at home. So it's uh, satisfying to be in people's homes, be part of their lives. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I When I was in the Dominican Republic, I was able to do a home visit. Like, you know, we did our clinics, like, basic, basically in, in churches for the most part. But when we got to go into somebody's home, that, that was a really interesting experience I'd, I'd never had before, to go into someone's home and to be sort of welcomed into that and then see a person in there. Yeah. You always wonder what rolls through the door in the ER. And, like, you know, you look at them, and you're like, oh, God, what <laughs> what kind of situation are they coming from? Yeah. And, so, uh the criteria to be admitted as a home infusion patient has gotten more strict over the years than it was uh, 25 years ago when I started. And uh, so we used to see patients, uh, even if they had no electricity, no running water. And uh, so going into homes where there is no electricity or water, going into Homes that are uh, homes of hoarders, where you've got a one-foot path through the house to get to someone's bedroom. (laughs) Going into homes where uh, there's just an overriding presence of cat pee and 20 cats. uh, It lets you see everything (laughs) from the... It sort of makes sense then. From the horrible to the, wow, this is a mansion. Yeah. I think I already know the answer to this one, but what would you change about the nursing profession if you could? You'd, you would unplug the computer, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd kick that computer out. Uh, if I could, ch- one thing I would change would be to um, get computer systems um, that are practical for the situation, mm-hmm. so that there's a um, so that you're documenting what is essential information but you aren't having to spend a lot of time documenting irrelevant stuff Mm -hmm. on a day after day basis Mm -hmm. Um, that would be a huge thing would be to figure out a way to do documentation so it is efficient useful but not uh, brain I mean brain numbing yes (laughs) Indeed, there is there is lots of that. I feel like well, in, in any job, but certainly sometimes, and you know, the things that you have to do. It's strange you're on the computer, you're like charting your hourly stuff. Meanwhile, in the background, there's like actual work you have yeah, to do, and that's right. that is that is frustrating. Yeah, at times, certainly. Yeah. Um, what do you imagine nursing will be like in the future? 
I have wondered. Uh, for home care, I see that there's just going to be more and more care that is being done in people's homes. So I imagine that there will be more equipment and machines that are mobile and able to be uh, used in people's homes so that there is uh, less need for patients to be in facilities. Just with my own background of infusion nursing, uh, I've seen such a change over the years of PIC placements, the peripheral inserted central catheters. So when Back when I started in home infusion, it was our home infusion team that was placing all of the picks for Providence Hospital and Providence Portland In people's hospital. homes? No. Oh. Well, we did it in people's homes, too, but we were also placing it inside the hospital. So there yep. was the only people who knew how to place the picks were the home infusion nurses. Oh, I see. I see. So, uh, so we were placing picks in people's homes. We were doing them in the hospital. Uh, we were doing them with 14-gauge uh, catheters. Holy cow. <laughs> now they're using 20. That's like the diameter of my pencil. Yeah. Just, just so you guys know. <laughs> uh, and it was kind of a barbaric uh, procedure. Uh, now it's being done with much smaller, much smaller instruments. Um, specialized teams in the hospitals are doing them. Mm-hmm. And Oregon has been a leader in getting nurses to uh, be able to not only place picks but read X-rays with them. So mm-hmm. I've seen. I've seen just in that particular segment of healthcare. I've seen the pioneers of the West Coast and of Oregon um, change national uh, trends. So it used to be that physicians were putting in the picks, and that was being done on the East Coast, even at the time when so many West Coast nurses were doing them. Um, so I think there will be more and more specialization of of. Nurses doing uh, procedures that are currently only legal for physicians to do. Right, right. What, like another example of that would be like, you know, the nurses put in the just the peripheral IVs now, like before. Or did, back in the 80s, did the nurses still do that? They, yeah. Right. right. And, and now the, there's legislation, and I don't know in how many states this is being put forth, um, but there is a push for nurses to be putting in central lines. Oh, my. So that is another area that has traditionally been physician-owned, um, mm-hmm. and as nurses get more education and practice mm-hmm. and uh, their scope widens, they're... Mm-hmm. Taking on yeah. taking on procedures that would have been inconceivable, right? Totally, decades ago for totally. nurses to do. Totally, I see the wardrobe changing. I feel like we're all going to be in like sleek, like Nike suits. You know, <laughs> everything like I feel like I've seen like my own attire change over seven years, and that it's just more sport, like clothing oriented. Because you know, waterproof, <laughs> <laughs> well, fluid proof, perhaps, <laughs> and. For uh, people that are home care nurses, uh, you need to be able to have clothes so that you can crawl up on people's beds, that you can uh, be on your knees on their floor sitting beside them while they're lying in their sofa and recliner so that you can reach stuff. And yeah, sports clothes is what nurses need. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Um, What specific pearls of wisdom do you have for those of us who have long careers ahead of us? I think that the biggest piece of advice is to take care of yourself. Uh, Another huge thing that has been so good in my life has been able to 
have a good balance between a working life and a personal life. And I've exploited that uh, tremendously with uh, the fact of me working on call. I uh, do a lot of, I take a lot of time off for personal things that I want to do. I think that it's it's important for people to have uh, good support systems because Anytime that you're working in a people environment, um, there's a lot of hard things. People are people are very dynamic. Healthcare is uh, a tough field, um, and so it's important to have uh, good outlets for people to get support, um, whether that is friends or exercise or drinking wine at the end of the day <laughs> all of the, but I, I do think that it's important for people to uh, take care of themselves and uh, be able to replenish because they're giving a lot of themselves in their jobs certainly absolutely 100% I agree um, are there any other stories you'd like to share with us well, I would like to put in a plug for uh, camp nursing. Uh-huh. Please, <laughs> please do. So, there's a, a professional organization called Association of Camp Nurses, and they are a fabulous group of people, uh, fun, dynamic uh, people who are used to working in a situation, rustic settings to um, settings where that's... Uh, uh, camp offers uh, a full medical health care center. Um, there's camp situations internationally. So, uh, And if people are interested in working in multicultural settings, there's uh, nurse, camp nursing that is done through an organization called Concordia Language Villages, which runs camps in 15 different immersion languages and the nurses and the kitchen staff do not need to know a word of that language, and they're the only staff members who don't need to be fluent. But you could, if you're interested in being around an Arabic language environment, you could go be a nurse or a physician at a Arabic language camp. If you want to take off and work at a camp in the Alps in Switzerland, those are available. So... Uh, my plug. Name your destination. My plug is for camp nursing. Wow, excellent. We'll have to check that out for sure. Um, and yeah, I know 37 years has been a long time. You've, you've got some left in you for sure. You're not going to retire just yet. But um, let's say when you do reach that threshold, what do you see yourself doing? So actually, I technically am retired. So okay. Oh, I did get one. So <laughs> I... Uh, Went. I had an opportunity to go live in Norway for uh, half a year, and this was I was going to be in Norway for five months, and then I was going to be at camp for three months, and so I'd be gone from work for eight, which uh, I had attempted to get a leave of absence, but the higher ups of the mm-hmm. hospital machinery said no; they were interested in just kicking people off the system, so. I had just become retirement eligible, and so I, I, I did retire. I was gone for a year. turned out that my position was open because it was tough to find somebody who was uh, qualified to fill that position. So when I came back from uh, camp and had a couple months at home, 
I applied for my old job and slid right back in. So I have been working again, um, but uh, I am a creature who comes and goes. And so as I end up getting more and more involved with uh, multiple camps, where now I'm not working as a as a nurse, I'm working teaching English, teaching uh, different classes at camp, and um, I see myself spending more time doing camp things and um, flitting in and out. It's I like. I feel blessed to have a um, a life that is so full because I I like my coworkers I like my work I teach at PCC um, each term a community class so I'm involved in some teaching I have been a clinical instructor at a local nursing school and so I get to keep my toes in healthcare and yet I also get to keep learning and keep experiencing with camp and uh, various other interests and it's so I I see myself as I look at working less at uh, spending more time at camp Sounds great. Fascinating, fascinating stuff. Thanks for sharing all your stories. That's 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 great. Thank you, Marianne. Thank you. Marianne Rudd is a graduate of Pacific Lutheran School of Nursing, class of 1980. She has 36 years' experience in the nursing field, including hospital work, home health infusion nursing, and camp nursing. When she's not living in Portland, Oregon, she is traveling to camps in Switzerland and other exotic destinations. In addition to being an accomplished traveler, she is an avid cyclist. Marianne hopes to publish a memoir about a long cycling trip she took with her husband, Terry. She also plans to begin a master's in teaching program this June in Prague. Pretty cool lady. Thanks uh, for everybody for listening today. Those that are interested in the Association of Camp Nurses, their website is www.acn.org. Check it out. This has been the very first episode of Head to Toe. I hope to sit down with many other healthcare professionals and experts to explore a wide range of topics within healthcare. Please visit my website, mariemcmillan.com. That's M-A-R-I-E-M-A-C-M-I-L-L-A-N.com. Or if you're interested in becoming a guest, please email me at macmillanpages at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening and take care.